John the 12th chapter in the Gospel of John, we have the story that took place where Jesus is being ministered to by, in Lazarus' home, by a very special individual, Mary. And tonight as we talk about that, it's, I call it a special encounter. I think there are those times in your life that uh, if you've been around and known the Lord very long, that there are special encounters that you remember. Sometimes it may be when you felt called, and you know that definite call of the ministry in your life. You can change professions, and you can run from that, and you can set that aside, but you will never escape the responsibility of that call when you stand before the Lord. That nudge of the call is always there. Or it might have been a special moment when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It might have been filled uh, when you were filled at maybe a camp or something with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or you remember some moment, you said that was a special moment. And if you're aggressive in your behavior of loving Jesus Christ, there'd be many of those special moments. Special moments that you will remember, I was, I was just up the creek, only had one paddle, and it was broken, and somehow or another, God intervened, and you knew there was a visitation of the Holy Spirit in and among you, those special moments. I think it's important not just to live for those special moments, but at least have the ability to recognize them when they happen. And sometimes they're hard to see. Sometimes if your spiritual antenna is not up, you might miss them. I remember a story just as an illustration, the legend about an ancient village in Spain. The villagers, of course, uh, had uh, received word that the king was going to visit their little village there in Spain. It had been a thousand years prior to this moment that any king in those times had ever come to their village, but excitement grew. And they decided to put on a big celebration and to welcome the king and understand, of course, this village was poor. They didn't have many resources at all. And of course, there's one thing that they did have. They all knew how to make wine. And so they decided that what they're going to do is uh, take some of their best wine from individual families and take a large wine vat and take their best wine And one by one, family by family, climb up a platform and an opening of the top of the wine vat and just pour their best wine in the vat. And of course, when the king got there and tasted, he would taste the best wine that that village had to offer, all of them giving their best. So the villagers have that idea, will pour it into that vat. And when he tasted it, It'll be an unbelievable taste. Well, the problem is they begin to think, one or two, and begin to spread. You know, I, uh, why should I give my best wine? If everybody else is bringing their best wine and pouring it into that, I'll just take my cup and I'll fill it up with water. And I'll pour it in, all that wine, and no one will ever know that I poured water in. The problem is that's what they all thought. None of them knew the other was doing that. One by one, the day before the king arrived, they walked up as if they're pouring their best wine in. And the reality is, the next day when the king came, they sat him up there in a big chair, 
gave him a silver goblet and said, try the best wine you've ever tasted. And all it was was water. They had, in fact, dishonored the king. Looking for just one way out, some excuse not to give their best. It was a moment that was an unusual moment. The king had not been there, a king in a thousand years. And yet, to them, they missed that moment. I can tell you this, you never go wrong when you're always giving God your best. You can never go wrong when you know without a shadow of a doubt in your heart and in your mind and in your spiritual life, you don't need a preacher to decide to give God your best. All you need to do is to have that close, intimate commitment with the Lord Jesus Christ. We find ourselves in Bethany. It is at the home of Mary and Martha. Lazarus, of course, is there. And there are several emotions that is taking place. We know the emotions because the crowds have heard that Jesus is there and they are excited. They have heard the news. They saw the resurrection of Lazarus that was created by Jesus, a miracle. And it set the power of God's influence, Jesus' influence, on fire. The chief priest, however, in the midst of all that celebration and all those people that came to that residence, the chief priests were plotting to kill Jesus. And according to the Scripture, they were going to kill Lazarus. They thought Lazarus, of course, resurrected from the dead. They all knew him. They saw him now alive. And they're thinking because of Lazarus' resurrection, a lot more people that would have never crossed over and now accepting Christianity or accepting Jesus as a Lord, as a king. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to kill Jesus and we're going to kill Lazarus. They were also in the midst of all of that, the festive celebrations at that time of the year relative to the Passover. Lazarus, of course, was glad to be alive. What a wonderful feeling. Mary and Martha were happy that Jesus now is visiting in their home. And you know their story. Martha's busy about getting everything together and ready, and the table is set just right. This is what Jesus knew. Jesus was not looking at the festive celebration Jesus knew that time was ticking away, and with his time, his down-to-the-minute time on earth was coming to a close, and that there would be a horrendous crucifixion that would take place, and he would be the sacrificial lamb. And now it's going to happen in a matter of days. So you have Lazarus. He's excited to be alive. You have Martha, who's scurrying around doing what she thinks she's doing best. You have other disciples that are there. You have Jesus in deep contemplation. You have Judas. Judas is the one that would, in fact, betray him. I can tell you that in the Christian community and in your own personal walk with Jesus Christ, remember this. If you are worth your salt, if you're any kind of a light in the midst of darkness, you are an ample target for the enemy of your soul. And he doesn't necessarily sometimes just come up to you and say, hey, here I am. I'm here to fight you. He comes in, in numerous ways and in difficult images and so many different ways to endeavor to detract you away from giving God your best, which is your heart. So here's what we find in the story, John 12, verse 4. But one of his disciples, what was his name? What was his name? Judas Iscariot, 
who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. Oh, no. But because he was a thief and as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. That was his attitude and his spirit. As you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there'll always be those innuendos of those who get in the way that represent opposition. Always remember this, if you're angry and mad at someone, don't be mad at them. Be mad at the enemy. He's the resource. If you're upset over some situation or some circumstance, don't focus on that circumstance and that situation. The enemy of your soul is what you should focus on. If you get to the place that you feel like nothing is happening in your life, don't focus on your lack. Focus on the enemy who's doing his best to discourage you, to depress you, to push you down, and make you think you will never get up. Don't ever allow the enemy to cause you to give God any less than your best by allowing the spirit of apathy to come into your life. 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us flat out, he says, look at it. Be controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Jesus had an opinion about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This is what he said about the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Mark 23. This is what he said. He said, you guys who are religious guys, you guys that think you ought to uphold the law, you guys that are, that are mad because Lazarus is resurrected, let me tell you about you. He said, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. He said, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. He said that to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said, here's what you do. You look to have someone believe your way. And when you do, you make them meaner. You make them be filled with gal. You fill them with criticism. You fill them with anxiousness. You fill them with all kind of things that endeavor to bring incense against the true message of Jesus Christ. If you can understand Ephesians, we find in Ephesians where he talks about the enemy, the, the enemy of our soul, that influence that's in the culture and society that we are in today. And you think, Lord, what can we do? I can tell you, God has already done it. We pray and say, God, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. I'm not a sinking ship here. I am standing on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And no matter what the enemy might send, what picture he paints, I know in whom I believe believed in. He is with me. So opposition is not something you ought to be surprised at. Matter of fact, if you're not careful, you can have opposition in your own house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can have opposition about where to go for dinner. Hello? Can you imagine with me that in the middle of the celebration to honor Jesus, here he is, People began to listen. Hey, he's at Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They began to gather. And in the midst of endeavoring to celebrate, there are those plotting to take his life. Also at that moment, the highest worship, Judas, was there at the highest moment of worship that one of the disciples would be so out of touch with what's happening there that he wouldn't understand that this was a moment, a precious moment, that was being acted out by Mary fulfilling. 
an Old Testament prophecy. He understood one thing, for his mind had one focus, and that was the power of money and the power of influence and to do all that he could. As a result of that, when his heart went awry, he was easy bait for the devil to plant seeds in his life. According to the Scripture, the moment a believer begins to function in faith and makes a commitment to exalt the Lord in actions, then as a result of that, that opposition will arise out of nowhere. But let me encourage you to remember that in order for you to be a threat to the enemy, for victory to be a threat to the enemy, we have to be active. We have to be about the Father's business. We cannot rest. We cannot sit on our laurels. We must stand up and declare the glory and the honor of God. We must say, this is the way. I'm going to walk in it. I am not going to be afraid. Uh, Opposition usually comes at the height, don't miss this, at the height of a potential blessing. So I encourage you, if you've been fighting something that is categorized in your life, and it's a season. Maybe your whole life is not, but you that season in your life, it just seems like nothing is happening right. Just remember this, that at the height of that is usually when the potential of God's greatest blessing is about to come into your life. I can tell you, what will the enemy do? He will endeavor to continue to convince you that you've done all of these things, but in this area, you're believing God, praying to God, and ain't yard talk, ain't nothing happening. And at that moment, God is saying, don't you give up. Don't you back up. Don't you get discouraged. Don't you fall into the line of culture. Stand strong. And after you've stood strong, stand strong again and watch the salvation of the Lord come to pass. You work in your faith with the mighty hand of promise in the Lord Jesus Christ. When Mary was in the middle of her worship, that intimate worship, she hears the words of Judas. Why didn't you sell the perfume and give the money to the poor. Not to mention that Martha had already taken her to task. Why are you spending so much time there? I need help setting the dishes. And Judah speaks. How dare you take that? You could have given it to the poor. You see, when you're following Christ, opposition has only one source, and it's the evil schemes of the enemy. Paul writes about that in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 4. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshiped so that he, the enemy, sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. There's only one throne in your life, and there's only one person who ought to be sitting on it. And his name is Jesus Christ. It is not a shared throne. My friend, there's only one, and it's the throne that God created in your heart for Jesus Christ. If he is on that throne, you don't have one problem that God cannot take care of. We do not want to do when we have that moment 
in the midst of difficulty like those villagers when they said, hey, I'll just take water and put in. It won't matter when everybody else brings wine. The problem is that's what they all thought. The second thing, the opposition, the other is the anointing. I believe in the anointing. How about you? I mean Holy Ghost, Spirit-led anointing. How many of you believe that there are times you have to make a decision and you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart? The wisdom. Here's what I found. Here's what I found, that often when the anointing is there, when you're scared to death to make a particular decision, And when the anointing is there, even though you're afraid, you still at the same time have a peace that resonates from this. God, my heart is pure to do what I think you want me to do. And this scares me to death, but I feel the anointing. That's what needs to be done. Amen? Isn't that an exciting life to live? That kind of life in Jesus Christ. Then Mary took about a pint a pure nard and expensive perfume, she poured it on Jesus' what? Feet and wiped his feet with her what? Hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Who would ever think a pine of nard would be so important in the history of the Word of God. But it was already stated out of the Old Testament that day would come. Mary, whether she realized it or not, was fulfilling a biblical directive. How did she do that? She had only one throne, and on that throne was one Savior, and it was Almighty God. Amen? Amen. Only one person So here it is, in the midst of that celebration, scheming of the preparations, Mary in her own way was choosing to minister to Jesus. We're going to go to prayer for about 10 or 12 minutes at the end. And we're going to sit at the feet of Jesus in our prayer time, and we're going to believe the Lord. It was six days or less to the Passover. She had one focus, and that focus was to serve Jesus. Time she didn't know was ticking away on the eternal clock. And at the expense of ridicule, she takes her most expensive possession and pours it on the feet of Jesus. The spikenard was transported from India. It was only used, only used for kings. The very act of service was the crowning moment initiating the beginning of the end. It was the ministry to Jesus. You, every time you give, every time you smile at someone and you don't feel like it, every time you do a good deed, every time you say, I could get off this throne and go down there and give them a a piece of my mind, you stay there in the hand of God as he sits on that throne. A lot of diversions out there to draw you away. Mary's above the noise. She's not listening to the noise. She's above the crowd. She's above the guest, and she's above the opposition. The total consuming force in her life was the prince of all of heaven. I love it. I hear the Christmas songs. 
the world in which I live, the culture do not understand them. I hear joy to the world. You say, well, how do you feel about jingle bells? If it celebrates the season, celebrates Christmas, the birth of the Lord, here's what I do know. There ain't no song ever written, but what God did not give somebody's head the ability to write it. He is the author and finisher of everything. You say, what about all the bad songs? He gave somebody grace. Amen? But judgment day will come. Encouraging you to set it the prince of all of heaven. Jesus said, without her, think about it now, without her knowledge, but through her obedience of service, here's what he says. Reaching way back, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. What does he say? She was a part of the preparation of my body to go to the grave. You never know, maybe tonight's the night of a special moment that has supernatural appendages, that has the ability to speak to your heart or change someone's life. At his birth, at Jesus' birth, he was given kingly gifts. But at his death, he was anointed as king. And in our lives, in the midst of the opposition and the discord, we may often wonder if we are able to succeed spiritually or enjoy the victory again. I can tell you, yes, we are, because I know that he is at the right hand of the Father. And I know, hallelujah, that one day he's coming through the skies and he is not going to be a crucified person. He's going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible said, and every knee, every knee, Hitler will bow. Brush now, will bow. They all will bow and admit Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. They will bow. That's who we serve, the anointing of God. Finally, the moment, the moment. John 12, 8, you'll always have the poor among you. Somebody say amen. Always have the poor. But you will not always have me. We sing, he is Lord. Somebody said the other day, oh, that's such an old song. Well, say what? He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. And He is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many believe that? Say amen. He is Lord. That might be an old song, but it's power-packed by the anointing of Jesus Christ. Judas, the voice of Judas was heard. He was full of righteous indignation. He smelled that perfume in that room. Time in Mary's world stopped 
And this person of authority who is the treasurer with the money bag speaks up and said, How dare you pour expensive perfume on his feet? Mary stopped because of the voice of authority. An interruption of the loud clamor of darkness. Who will come to her rescue? (laughs) The King of kings and the Lord of lords said to every demon in hell that was flowing through Judas, saying to every evil force and every power, hallelujah. He didn't have to say in Jesus' name. He was Jesus, amen. He said, leave her alone, amen. Leave her alone. I can tell you this, friend. In the midst of the challenges that you might face in your life from time to time, and many, we're getting more and more requests and needs and hearing of more needs in the world. But I can tell you, in our church in this time of the year, but I can tell you there is still one who has the ability to say, if there's an ounce of faith in you, leave them alone. Amen. Get back. You cannot touch them by the power of God. Well, Judas had a rational logic argument, didn't he? He didn't know what he was doing. It was rational. Why are you wasting all that money pouring it down the drain? It wasn't reserved for a concrete slab. It was not a concrete slab. How dare you do that, Mary? It's illogical. His motive was wrong. There's some times in life that that things in the supernatural spiritual realm make no sense at all in your life. There are times that the, uh, the, the Lord will open a door so wide for you to compromise. Leave her alone. Judas and that evil spirit in him resonated with the authority of Jesus. At that moment, he knew, somebody knows my heart. Somebody has more knowledge than I have. Oh, it would appear that Mary was grandstanding. And who would come to her defense? And Jesus said, leave her alone. But at that moment, there was only one voice that would have mattered. There was only one person on the planet who could come to her defense. And he did. And in the moment when you need him most, he will step to the plate and give you an anointing, hallelujah, that will rock your world and cause you to get rebaptized with the anointing and the call of God. Don't let the opposition that, that looks in life, and it sometimes looks so good, but still in the midst, it is opposition. He said, you will always have the poor, but you will not always have me. At that moment, Jesus was saying, no other moment, no other date, no other time, now or in the past, is more important than right now. Than right now. Remember this. There was a moment when you could not save yourself. There was a moment when you were lost. There was a moment 
when the fire of the redemptive power of Jesus Christ came in and began to burn in you. Keep Jesus on the throne of your life and do not compromise that special moment. There were circumstances that may have caused you great heartbreak, but there is a healer in the house who is able to speak healing into your life and put the broken pieces back together and make your future more applicable to victory than you could ever imagine. And then there was a moment when you may have felt and still tonight might feel alone. That's a lie of the enemy because there is one that steps up and says, you're not alone. I live in you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I will be with you as long as you want my hand until the end. Amen. You may face demons. You might face a shortage of money. You might face ill health. You might face discouragement. But just remember this. As long as your hand is in my hand, I'm going to take you through. Somebody say amen. And that day in the end, one person, one person, only one It wasn't Peter, one of the lead disciples. It wasn't John. It wasn't James, even Jesus' half-brother. It wasn't any of those individuals, and they were all there, that God tapped. It was a little housekeeper that Jesus said, this moment is reserved just for you. Why? Because he was on the throne of her heart. And as long as he remains on the throne, you will hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Our responsibility is take advantage of those moments. You might have one here tonight and use them for the honor and glory of the Lord and believe that God will be exalted because you, my friend, You, my friend, are of the lineage and descendancy of the Son of the living God. Amen? You are a part of the vine of the Rose of Sharon and the household of David. Hallelujah. We are implanted and grafted into the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all unrighteousness and gives us power. Amen? Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you, we praise you, we bless you. God, you have spoken to those who are listening online right now. Some are getting miracles. You're beginning to speak in and through them and giving them peace and giving them hope. And in this room tonight, Father, you are stirring us. You are not letting us rest in apathy. You're not letting us rest lethargically. But God, you're awakening us to a new call, to a new vision, to a new stirring, to a new commitment of righteousness. We trust you and we believe you right here and right now that, Father God, we stand innocent only because of you. And we stand ready, anointed in power, to be more than overcomers only because of you. We stand ready with authority to say, it is not my will, and mean it from the deep of our heart. Not my will, not my way, not my choice. But Lord, your way, your will, your choice. 
in my life. I will not compromise the anointing and call as a born-again believer to forsake that which God has placed in my life. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer, everyone without me, right after me. Would you do that, dear Jesus? Dear Jesus. Forgive me. Forgive me. I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. I surrender. I surrender. To you. To you. Come into my heart and life. Come into my heart and life. And help me walk. And help me walk. In a victorious way. In a victorious way. Let me experience the anointing. Let me experience. Let me experience the power. Experience the power. Let me experience the revelation. Experience the revelation. Of the moment you have. The moment you have. For me in my life. So here I am. Use me as I honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. What I'd like to do is I'm going to ask you to take time to pray. Maybe 10 minutes. Forsake not, forsake not the anointing. Forsake not my hand crowning your head with anointing. Forsake not the instruction that I have given you. Forsake not the moment that I have come down and my Holy Spirit has shaken your very being. Look not to the right. Look not to the left. Look up and know the redemption and know that the solution and know that that which is necessary to bring to pass my victory through you is available to you now. So, Father, we take that word We believe that you tell us in Corinthians about the gifts of the Spirit. We pray now that you will speak to us and we go to the Scripture. We believe that we have heard from you. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to ask you to pray for the situation as it relates. Just a few things to ask you regarding Jerusalem. That's huge. The news media has no idea the impact and power of that move. I'm asking you to pray for those in California in the wildfires. Someone said to me today, well, that's the judgment on Hollywood. Let me tell you, a wildfire, friend, is a, and when God gets ready to judge, he doesn't need a little wildfire. I'm not underestimating that. You read and see what judgment is right out of the Bible. It doesn't, it's not here today and then blow away and two months later it's gone. Judgment has a grip. But we need to pray for those people. We need to pray for the churches and the pastors that they'll use that opportunity. We need to pray for other needs. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray, we need to pray for this season. I've been dealing with families and people the last several days and week who just at this period of time, they're broken. We helped with Dove Tree and many of Angel Tree, but there are still many more 
that are in the bushes, so to speak, who need God to intervene. So I'm asking you to take time and pray and pray for the service of Sunday. Sunday morning, we talk about shame. You remember what we talked about Sunday morning? Offenses. But Sunday morning is shame. But Sunday night, that free concert, this group that will be here is free. But they are filling up stadiums and people are paying. And you will not hear a better come to Jesus invitation Sunday night. You will not hear a better one anywhere. So if you've got a family member that's lost, before it's over, I promise you the net will be cast and lives will be changed. And so here's how we know that we'll have a crowd in just 50 miles, 60 miles from here. People are paying big money, but they will come here to be a part of Victory Church. You plan to show up and be a part of it. So pray for that, that souls will come to the Lord. Let's take time, 10 or 12, 15 minutes here, get before the Lord, shall we? Anywhere you want to go, and then I'll bring you back together and pray. If you have to slip out, you certainly are welcome to.